0: Well, we have a really good number of folks that are with us this morning, and we're in the height of vacation season, so we're glad everybody's here. I know we have visitors. We're glad you're here, and uh, we want you to come back and be with us as much as you can. We're glad you're here. I hope we make you feel welcome, and I trust that the folks here will do that. In just a moment, we'll get into the lesson. I want to add a couple of uh, announcements or mention a couple of things. Um, first of all, for everybody that was able to come out, let me join with Greg and uh, appreciate everybody coming out. And We had a great crowd and a great day, and a lot of you helped me uh, a great deal with putting all of that together, and so thank you very much, um, and we'll look forward to uh, getting like that together again, but uh, good day yesterday. Also, this coming Friday night, for those of you that uh, enjoy coming to the movie night, interested in that, we're going to be um, getting together on Friday night and looking at, I hope we're going to be looking at, uh, if I've got Netflix uh, properly uh, engaged there, we're going to be looking at a movie about Genesis, Is Genesis history, and uh, so you might find that interesting. Anyway, if you're interested in it, uh, get together with Montel. And also I'll mention again on the bulletin board in, in the foyer, this is a busy time of year for get-togethers and all of that so kind of keep going i put a new one up yesterday take a look at it get the details of what's coming up and uh and we'll go from there one final announcement let me join in and mention uh ani eddie and the trip that he's going to be taking sudden passing of his mother and uh, that loss of course is is terrible it's devastating to that family but ani eddie is going to have to be traveling it's quite expensive to go overseas And, uh, he's trying to raise some, some extra funds to get over there. So if you want to help him out with that, you can either see me or see him directly. But, uh, I know he and his family will really appreciate that. And so, uh, just, uh, you know, try to get with him or, like I said, you can get with me today on that. And, uh, let's help him out as he has to go home for this unfortunate event. Without any further delay, let's get into the lesson. We're talking this quarter about unity in my church. As we look at various things that should characterize or identify the Lord's church, one of the things that we should find in Jesus' church is unity. Jesus built his church to be united, not all of the division that we generally see in the world, but there should be unity among his disciples. And this morning I want us to take a look at the idea of fellowship. Greg mentioned fellowship earlier in the announcements. I want us to look at fellowship, and I want us to look at what should be the basis of fellowship. I made a statement last week that the key to unity is fellowship. I believe that. I believe if you're going to be united, if you're going to have unity, you're going to have to have what I'll call true or real fellowship. And so we want to look at what is the very basis of that. So let me get into this lesson and talk a little bit about that. First of all, let's just talk about fellowship. Because the word fellowship, and we see it often, and I mean many times in the New Testament, um, and its various cognates we see in, in the New Testament. But it comes from a word meaning common, as in what we have in common, or communal, as in a close-knit group of people in a community, for example. But common or communal. Its derivatives are translated in the New Testament. You see the word fellowship. You see contribution, even. And yes, when we're talking about giving our money, uh, is the basic uh, word there is fellowship. Uh, communion when we talk about taking the lord's supper yes the basic word and basic idea is fellowship a lot of people may not realize that but in fact both giving and the, and the lord's supper the basic word for it is fellowship beyond that distribution our communication even uh, and yeah when we're talking to one another we're in fellowship is the idea Partakers of something, where each one takes a piece of something. Our partners, you know, and when two people, for example, are in business or they're in a marriage or whatever, they're partners, they're in fellowship. Friends are said to be companions. That word basically means fellowship. Um, Distribute, communicate, partake. And so what we're looking at is a word that basically means sharing. And if you look at all of these different ideas, even the Lord's Supper, it's what we share together in as we take the body and blood of Jesus. Uh, the giving, when we all are pooling our money for the efforts you know, uh, of the Lord in this place. It's all of the idea of sharing. And I think a person can see it in all of these terms. It applies to our relationships. It certainly applies to our acts of worship, as we've talked about. It applies to anything in which we, as a group of people, share things together, we have things in common, we communicate with one another, etc. That's the basic meaning of fellowship. And so if the key to unity, and I think it is, if the key to unity is true fellowship, then we ought to ask the question, upon what do we base this fellowship? Because it can be based on any number of things, obviously. So what are we basing our fellowship? What's the foundation of unity, if we're talking about that, or of fellowship? Where do we draw our commonality, as it were? Because we're, and we note, and I, and I did a few weeks back in a lesson, I noted, you know, of this church, it's very diverse. It is very diverse. Back when we were having in the spring our question and answer, you know, if you remember that, those of you that were here for that lesson, and a lot of questions being asked about prejudice and racial bigotry, and all of that kind of thing. And we made the point, this church is very diverse. You would not be able to put a label on it like many places. It's not a you know, black church, it's not a white church, it's not a Hispanic church, it's not an Asian church. We have people of diverse backgrounds. And so, if we're united, if we're sharing, if we have things in common, If we are a church that is in unity, and I asked that question, are we united at East Orange? And I left that with you last week. Well, if we are, and if your answer after thinking through it is, yes, we're united, then you must find a basis for that. Why are we united? On what do we base our fellowship, our commonality, etc.? Or, if you think we're not, what are we lacking is the point. But what, you know, the point would be of what do we all mutually partake? What are we sharing in, is the idea. So let me make some observations from Scripture. I want you to go with me to John 17. And I'm going to use these two passages, in prime. You know, and I'm going, to, I'm going to spend a little bit of time with them, so I'd like for you to turn to both of them with me. They're very similar. One is quoted by John in John 17. It's, it's in a prayer of Jesus, and the other one is written by John in 1 John 1. They are very similar, and both speak of unity, both speak of fellowship. So I want you to look at this with me. In John 17, Jesus is praying, and I'm just going to drop down to verse 17. When Jesus said to the Father, Sanctify them, speaking to the Father, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. And he said, thy word is truth. Now notice as he goes on here. And you remember sanctify when we were studying last year. It means holify, make them holy Through your truth, your word is truth. Verse 18, as you have sent me into the world, even so I, in turn, have sent them into the world. And it is for their sakes that I sanctify myself. He holified himself. He set himself apart, etc. I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified, again, through the truth. And I'm not just praying, verse 20, for these alone. These 11, you know, remember Judas has already gone out to betray him. So you would be referring to the eleven. I'm not just praying for these eleven. But I'm also praying for all those who shall believe on me, notice, through their word. So everybody in the future that buys into what I have to say. Everybody that believes what they teach. And they will go out teaching all over the world. Everybody that believes their word. I'm praying for them too. And I'm praying, verse 21, that they all may be one. But he qualifies it. Not simply a union of believers. Not simply that they're all one in thought, but it's not the right thought, you see. Or they all are sharing something, but it's not what I want them to share. No, he says that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you have sent me. So notice that Jesus begins to establish... A group of people. What are they going to have in common? You know, borrowing from what we just had up on the slide before. What are they going to all have in common? They're going to have the truth. Sanctify them through the truth. What are they all going to share? They're going to share belief in Jesus. What are they going to base that unity upon? That fellowship? What they share. What are they going to base it on? They're going to base it on the truth the doctrine, the word that the apostles go out and preach because he sent them out there to do that. That's the basis for it. That's the the basis of the fellowship they'll have. And the fellowship that they will have will not just be with one another. They won't simply share with each other a common belief, but they'll have the exact same unity, the exact same fellowship. They will share exactly what the Father And Jesus shared. Now let's see if we see that in 1 John 1. Go over there with me when John was saying it like this. In 1 John 1 beginning, and I'll drop down to verse 3. In fact, well, you know what? In fact, let me just pick up in verse 1 because this echoes what Jeremy, Jeremy was saying a moment ago. That which was from the beginning, verse 1, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and as Jeremy mentioned, our hands have handled, we touched him, of the word of life. Now drop down to verse 3. We've got a message about that one, that Jesus. In verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you, John says to these Christians, these recipients of, of this epistle. We declare it unto you that you also, notice, may have fellowship with us. Notice what John is saying there. We, the apostles, have a message. We share in that message. We all believe the same thing. We all teach the same thing. We declare the same thing. But we declare it so that you can have fellowship with us. When you believe it, you share what we have. You know, we share it with you, you share it with us. And truly, verse 3, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, notice verse 4. These things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. Remember, Jesus prayed. For everybody in the future who would believe their word. Well, now, John is not preaching to us. Not orally. But he did write, And Paul wrote. And Peter wrote. And these guys wrote the message down so that even people 2,000 years later, like you and like me, can share in that fellowship they had with Jesus. So we write these things to you that your joy may be full. All right, verse 5, he brings it home. This then is the message which we have heard of Him. We heard it from Jesus. We declare it to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Notice verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him, I think there are a lot of people who would just say they're in fellowship with God. We have fellowship. We share with God. God shares this with me. I share this with God. But if we say we have fellowship with Him, And we're walking in darkness, we're lying, and not doing, notice what he says, the truth. That brings it all the way back to what Jesus first said. Father, sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. Well, John is saying, if we're saying we have fellowship, but we're not doing the truth, then we're lying. We don't have fellowship with Jesus, and we certainly don't have fellowship with one another. On the other hand, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we do. So Jesus prayed to the Father. Let's simplify it. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Make them holy through your truth, your word, that they all may be one. That is, all the eleven apostles and everybody in the future, as long as time goes on, who will join them through the truth is the idea. John, in turn, said the apostles did that. They declared the message, the truth of Jesus to His disciples. And when I say disciples here, I mean every student, every person who takes the yoke of Jesus upon him. You, me, everybody. They shared, they declared the message of Jesus to the disciples. Notice, John said, that you also may have fellowship with us, the apostles. And With God is the idea. You share what they have with Jesus and the Father, and that is the truth. So it comes back to the question that I asked. If we're in fellowship, if we have fellowship, if we're united, the key to unity is fellowship. The key to unity is what we all share. Because if we're united, we're sharing something. What are we sharing? And the answer is the truth. That's our fellowship. That's the basis of everything we have and everything that exists between us. When you and I come together and we take the Lord's Supper, sure, you sit on the pew, I sit on the pew, we each break off a piece of bread, we eat it, we drink the juice. But there's fellowship here and there. There's communion here and that. Why is there communion? Because we all believe. Equally, just alike, we are honoring the body and blood Of Jesus. We've gathered here together for that purpose. we come to do that thing. We're sharing the truth. That's what Jesus wanted. That's how He wanted to be honored. He didn't want statues to be built. 90 feet high like Nebuchadnezzar did. He didn't want a host of other things that people do. He wanted this. And we do that. We believe it. And we share it when we come together. That's the basis of our fellowship. True fellowship exists between those, as John said, doing the truth. Not simply believing it. Not simply in an academic sense, understanding book, chapter, and verse where it is in the Bible. But they're doing it. They're actually going through the motions of living and doing what the truth says. And thereby, they have fellowship with God, with Jesus. With the Father, with the Holy Spirit. They have fellowship with God and, in turn, as John said, they have fellowship with one another. That is unity. Now let's make another point about this. In 2 Peter chapter 3, go back with me to the passage that was read for us. I won't reread everything. But notice especially verse 1. Simon Peter wrote, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained, notice that, Like. It's a word that means equal. It's not the word fellowship, but it is a word that means an equal or an equal portion. Like. Precious. It's a word that means valuable. It can be fragile, even. You can lose it easily. But they've obtained like, precious faith. I'll come back to that verse in just a a moment. But let's make this observation. I believe at the very core of Christianity, if you were asked, what is Christianity? What does it mean to be a Christian? At the very core of Christianity, there is fellowship. From the very beginning, historians, those on the outside, have observed it. i give you one quick note. When there was great persecution in the first century, and Christians were being dragged out to the lions and you know tortured and killed in that manner, one of the things that several of the emperors tried to do was to get them to recant. You know, deny your faith. And and in addition to that, or in, you know, in lieu of that, if you want to live, confess and tell us the names of those that are Christians. We want to hunt them down. We want to eradicate this movement. And they wouldn't do it. Were you going to die if you don't? They still wouldn't do it. You're going to be taken out in an arena, and for the pleasure and the enjoyment of other people, we're going to let hungry lions come out there and kill you. They still wouldn't do it. And one Roman historian observed, as these Christians out were out there, and there were a number of them out there, and the crowd was all excited, and these lions had been starved for a while, and they were extra hungry. And as these lions were coming out of the gates as in the Colosseum there, and ready to eat these, these Christians, these Christians started singing and encouraging each other. And if one got scared or one started crying, another one would speak up, even as a lion was attacking him or her, and begin to encourage his brother or sister. The Roman historian said, just behold how they love each other. It was an incredible thing. At the core of Christianity is fellowship. It's that unity, it's that love that exists between them because of their faith. That's why they have what they have. Without it, there is no church. If you don't have that, you can have a, a, a group of people who believe something. But you don't have a church. You don't have a group of people united as Jesus prayed for. There's no meaningful relationship between the members of a church, either between them, each other, or between them and Christ. There's no meaningful relationship Without what we speak of here as true fellowship, true unity. This quarter we're going to be looking at fellowship. And I'm going to spend some time looking at it. I'm going to talk about it as the New Testament. Like I said, the New Testament speaks a lot of it. So we're going to look at it. And we'll even talk about things such as drawing lines of fellowship. Now that's a phrase that we use sometimes. Regarding individuals or groups, are we in fellowship or out of fellowship with certain people? Do we withdraw our fellowship? What does that mean? I mean, those are phrases and terms we use. We're going to attempt to establish a basis for the existence of true fellowship. And I think we've already said it this morning, but we're going to look deeper at it and further at it. And we're going to talk about when it cannot exist. When you just can't have fellowship. You call it fellowship. You can call it unity, but it's not real, and you don't have it. Or where it should not exist. Even where technically you're 100% united. Technically, you're in fellowship, but you ought not be. We're going to talk about that as well. Because true fellowship exists only as far as the truth is shared. Now, that's really different if you think about it. It's completely different from denominational ideas of fellowship. When I was growing up and I was going to the denomination, I, he- I heard the word fellowship from time to time. Not a lot, but I did hear it. And sometimes when you look out in the denominational world, fellowship is equated with, even, I would say, reduced to having a meal. We speak of fellowship halls and, you know, fellowship goes on when you get together and have a meal. Well, that is only a consequence or an occurrence. I want you to think, this is what I mean by that. When we came together yesterday, I would say that we had great fellowship. I'd echo what Greg said. We enjoyed fellowship. I don't know how many people were there. Some people were estimating, you know, 50-something, 70-something. There were a lot of people there yesterday. When we came together, we had fellowship. But it wasn't just the soccer game going on out there, those of you that braided that concrete, you know, it wasn't just the soccer game. It wasn't just the obstacle course out there on the field. It wasn't just the meal and all those dishes that we couldn't even fit in the window. It wasn't just that. To reduce fellowship to just that. If the only thing we share is, is eating, or the only thing we share is a game, then we've missed it. No, fellowship goes much deeper than that. What existed out there on that concrete between those people having fun and you know and playing you know so hard and and the people who were eating and all of that and talking with one another? Well, it went much further. Those things were a consequence. They were an occurrence of something far more reaching, far more serious than just a meal or a game, and far more eternal. Because you see, in the denominational world, sometimes it's even just equated with those enrolled in a particular membership. I've heard, for example, of roles or membership roles being referred to as the fellowship at such and such a place. And all that means is I've joined that church or I've put my name on that role. But you see, again, that's just an organic occurrence or consequence of something that's far more reaching. If I've really been, as the Bible speaks of, added to the number, what number are we talking about? What do they do? Who are they? What are they? What do they share? What makes them willingly go out and give their lives to hungry lions rather than give up their brother's name or even sing and encourage each other? What's inside them? What's going on there? What brings together a group of people who spend hours together like yesterday? Enjoying a game, enjoying a meal, enjoying time with each other, and they're not out there just for what they can score. How they can get ahead in business, how they can get ahead you know, in a relationship, how they might get together two or three of them and do what they ought not be doing. They're not out there for that reason. They're out there for the love they share, for the truth they have between them. And it creates a unity, a bond, like this world does not see. And is truly amazed by Because they're in fellowship. I'll close by saying this. Fellowship is a fact. It either is or it is not. You either have it or you don't. It is a fact of Christianity to be in or out of fellowship. Go with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul and Barnabas met with three Christians, notable Christians. They met with James, and this would be James, the Lord's brother, that writes the book of James, for example. You can see this down in verse 9. They met with Cephas. Cephas is the Aramaic Peter, this this is Peter, They met with the Apostle John. The Bible says in verse 9, when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, remember last quarter we talked about the truth, and we talked about the pillar and ground of the truth, that's what the church is, well they seem to be pillars in in the church. And they perceived the grace that was given unto me, Paul said, So they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go to the heathen, the Gentiles, and they unto the circumcision are the Jews. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also am forward to do. So Paul spoke of Christianity here and the idea of being in fellowship with people and out of fellowship with people and all that kind of thing. Now I want you to notice here. Our fellowship with other individuals is predicated upon something. When they looked at Paul here, they looked and took note of something. It's predicated upon something. That is, in order to maintain a proper fellowship with other Christians, you've got to be in fellowship with God. Now notice that's very important. James and Peter and John weren't simply looking to add numbers. Oh great, we got another guy out here. And we want to add him to us, and together we'll be a big movement, and we'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. They weren't thinking in those terms. They were thinking in terms of who is in fellowship with God, and if they're in fellowship with God, then they're in fellowship with me. That's exactly what John is writing about in 1 John 1. So I want you to consider for a moment this passage. In Galatians 2 and verse 9, we might ask the question, why did James and Peter and John, notice, extend fellowship? Or as Paul talks about here, giving the right hands of fellowship. Why did they extend? That's like broadening the border here and including, including Paul. Why did they do that? Notice, because they perceived. The word means to acknowledge, to take knowledge of something. Perceive the grace that was given unto me, Paul said, unto Paul. And so they understood Paul was in fellowship with God, so they extended their personal fellowship to Paul and Barnabas. Or we might say it this way. James and Peter and John perceived or acknowledged that Paul and Barnabas were in fellowship with God, and so they, they therefore were in fellowship with all Christians everywhere. And that's what they understand. You don't have to know someone. You don't have to know them personally. You just take knowledge of someone when you meet them by certain criteria. The truth. Do you believe this? Do you do this? Are you practicing this? Well, if you are, then you're a Christian and we're... Why? Because I'm in fellowship with God because of the truth, and you're in fellowship with God because of the truth. So we're in fellowship with each other. That's the point here. Like precious faith. Go back with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, just briefly here. This is a passage I'm going to look at for some things that Peter says. Because I think if you look at this passage that was read for us before, you realize something about your faith. The faith is both doctrinal and practical. That is, you both believe it, you believe it in the head, you understand it, things you know, but you also do it. I'll give you an easy example. I could read in the Bible about the Lord's Supper. I could read about Jesus instituting it in Matthew 26, Mark 14, etc. I could understand from the passage, it ought to be unleavened bread, it ought to be fruit of the vine. I could look at Acts 20 and see the example of doing it on the first day of the week. And I could gather all that information and never go to church. I'd understand it in my head. I'd know it. I'd believe it. If someone asked me, do you know if the Bible ever talks about this Lord's Supper thing they do? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you take the Lord's Supper? No. No, I don't. I can believe it doctrinally but still not practice it. Now, we all understand that. Faith that we share, the faith we share between us, is both doctrinal and practical. It's doctrinal, obviously, like 1 Corinthians 1, a passage we looked at a good bit last quarter. I won't turn there, but you can read it with me. God has called us into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We're in that fellowship. If we believe those things, the message the apostles wrote and delivered, etc. And he's called us in that fellowship, notice verse 10 of the passage, to speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among us. There's the unity. But that we be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, that's doctrinal fellowship. That's not the way the term is usually used. But it is the way the Bible speaks of it. There is a sharing in this truth, first delivered by the apostles, because it originally came from Jesus. And we, when we believe it, we share in it. But that's not the end of fellowship. It's also practical. Look at how Paul uses it in the next book to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 14 through 17. Do not be unequally yoked together, he says, with unbelievers. Notice the idea. You can be yoked together with someone. And that yoking together, you can call that a unity, you can call that fellowship, you can call that sharing in a whatever. We share in a relationship, we share in a business, we share in this or that. But it is not biblical fellowship. And in fact, what God would be saying is, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness or unrighteousness? They don't. They're not congruent. You cannot share those things. You can't practice what's right with someone in a close relationship with someone who's practicing what's wrong. You can't share that. If they're doing what's wrong and you're doing what's right, you don't share. That's what he's saying. But what fellowship? And he goes on and uses all these different terms. What communion? You know, has light with darkness. And what concord is there? What part and what agreement? He's using this term over and over. Different cognates of it. And what he's basically saying is, what you need to do as a Christian is you need to recognize people that are practicing things that don't belong in the fellowship. And you need to come out from among them and be separate. That's the idea. Touch not the unclean thing. Look at 2 Peter 1 very quickly. Peter says, like precious faith. Notice verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. That's the academic side of it. The doctrinal side of it. The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as its divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to what? To life and godliness. That's the practical side of it. God has told us all these things that tell us how to live. Tell us how to share with each other. The real part, if you will, as people call it, of Christianity. Not just believing, not just thinking, not just knowing, but living it is the idea. And so He's given us all these things so we can partake, notice verse 4, of the divine nature. We can all share in being like Jesus. Now that's fellowship. You're here this morning and you're not a child of God. But you want to be part of this. You want to be like the Lord. You want to join together and share that with other people who want to be like the Lord. If you confess your belief that Jesus is the Son of God. If you're willing to change your life where it needs to be changed. If you'll be baptized for forgiveness of your sins. You will share in that fellowship. Maybe you're here today and you look at your life and you say, you know, there's some things that need to change. If I'm going to be in fellowship with God and I'm going to be in fellowship with other people who are in fellowship with God, I need to change some things. And I know it's going to be difficult. I want to ask you to pray for me. we'd love to do that together with you. Won't you please come? While we stand and sing.